This morning I want to select a theme that is appropriate for this time of year, which is Christ's birth, Christ being born. I often hear people make the statement, well, there's not anything in the Bible about Christmas. Not any, we don't celebrate Christmas because there's not anything in the Bible about Christmas. Well, that's according to the definition that you have of Christmas. Now, we know that there's no command, there's no example, there's no statement by God for us to have a Christmas in the sense that the commercial and the secular world celebrates it today. But that's a far away thought of the birth of Christ not being the center and the circumference of the Old and the New Testament. The Old and the New Testament is built on the foundation of the birth of Christ. And don't be embarrassed because the secular world has commercialized and has glamorized and has paganized the birthday of our Lord. Don't allow that to take our focus off of his birth and the blessings it brought to this world. So with just a few passages I want to share with you to show that the great theme of the Bible is the birth of Christ. The great theme to every nation, to every people, that ever lived and will ever live is the birth of Christ. It is so important that it is the mention in nearly every book of the New Testament and the Old. He takes priority over every other prophet, priest, or king. So it is befitting that we today give him the honor and the place that he deserves and not be ashamed to say, as he was born, I don't know the hour nor the day, but we know the place and we have the evidence that he was there. And we know he came into this world and he had a message. He had a message for all people. Will you please turn to Job, the 38th chapter. I'm going to share that with you. And I want you to think about the place in the New Testament that talks about the angels singing when he was born. That's the note I want you to underline, is that the angels sang when he was born. 
have the Him. Glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, toward men of good will, or good will toward men. But you know, He existed before that. Colossians says that He created all things. Hebrews, the first chapter, says He created all things. He upholds all things by the word of His power. So he was working before that. And his birth is centered to our salvation, our existence with him for eternity. Now look at the 38th chapter. The Lord answers Job out of the whirlwind and says, Who is this that darkened the counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee an answer by me. Where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare it, if thou hast understanding. Who hath laid the measures thereof, if thou knowest? Or who hath stretched the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Or who hath laid the cornerstone thereof? When the morning stars sang together, see, when Jesus formed the earth, they had singing. He did something before he came to the earth. He created the earth. And when he created the earth, the angels sang, the stars sang, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Who are they? There's a lot to think about when we think about Jesus being born. While you're in Job, turn to Isaiah, right over in the Old Testament, the ninth chapter, 7,000 years before Christ was born in a manger, we have the prophet Isaiah, may have been even longer than that. In the ninth chapter, and in the sixth verse, Isaiah tells us about the birth of Christ. And not anything about Christmas, no, not as such. But the Christmas that we talk about is about the birth of Christ. It's not a mass for Christ. It's just... Today, if we have any significance at all on Christmas, it's because that we're going to do something good and we're going to give and we're going to appreciate Christ coming into the earth. But he didn't begin and he didn't start existing when he came in this old body. He created the universe. In him was life, and that life was the light of man, according to John, the first chapter, and first John, the first chapter. In him was life, and that life was the light of man. And when he created the universe, 
And when he created man, the sons of God sang. Well, when he came and died, I mean, and was born, the angels sang. You know why? He'd come to deliver man from bondage. He'd come to deliver man from his condition of sin and his darkness and his condition of being without God and hope in the world. And this what Isaiah, the 7,000 years before Christ was born in a manger, we have this prophet saying, Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful. In the original language, this, this is close to a miracle. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. He brought God to the man. When he ascended on high, as we read in the communion passage, he took man back to God. He took the ability back to God to communicate with man. If his birth hadn't have taken place, man would be without hope, without communication with God. Now, I can't prove that, but that's the preaching of the Word. That's the reason he had to come. That's the reason he had to take on flesh and blood in order that man could get back to God from which he came when Christ created him. He humbled himself. Philippians 2 said, even unto death, the death of the cross. The seventh verse of that Isaiah passage in ninth chapter, the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David, and did you know, I want you to turn over to Acts 2. Because this was the first sermon that was ever preached. Christ came. Christ was born. Christ was ushered in with angels. Christ was protected from old Herod. Christ was reared up to 12 years old where he could talk with the doctors and the lawyers. But he was held in the control of God until he was 30 years old. And then he began to preach and he began to teach. And he taught who he was, and man just couldn't believe it. Man didn't believe it, and man wouldn't believe it. I don't know why man has such a difficult time of understanding the mystery of godliness that's been made known to us in so many different ways. Jesus is at the right hand of God. Jesus is reigning. 
Jesus is asking into our hearts and into our lives. He guided and directed man down through the avenue of time, taking care of him on the left and on the right, in spite of his failures to believe that God was reaching out and that each individual was very precious in his sight, man still couldn't get the message that God cared and that God created him, that God loved him, and God could cause him to live forever and ever. And the only way he could touch man's heart was to come down and take on flesh and blood and suffer and bleed and die, have pain and talk and communicate and say, I understand. I understand how you feel. There's no way you can get out of this. Because I came down as God to lift us above Satan. He did no sin, neither was God found in his mouth. The only man who ever lived in the flesh without sin became a sacrifice for you and for me. Think his birth wasn't important? Are you going to let some paganistic idea pour cold water on your closeness to God and to Christ and his birth? Don't you take back seat to the birth of Christ. It doesn't matter how many people commercialize on it and how far away they are from him when they celebrate it. Take courage and thank God that he was sacrificial and was the lamb that was born in flesh to deliver you and me. Yes, it's important. And Peter knew it was important. Turn to Acts 2. We got through reading over there about the increase of his government shall be no end. Upon the throne of David to establish it. Now look at Paul, or look at Peter's sermon. Look at the 22nd verse of the second chapter of Acts. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, the man approved God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, and ye yourselves know he was in the flesh. Him being delivered by the determined counsel and foreknowledge of God. God planned it all the time. And he was mighty God. He was God with us. He's the counselor. He's wonderful. He's the everlasting Father. He said, if you know me, you know the Father. Philip said, show us the Father and that'll be enough. He said, if you've seen me and haven't known the Father. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. Whom God raised up having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be holding of it. He was God. That's the reason. 
Now, if we want to bypass death today, the way we do it is to get into him because death killed his body, but it didn't see corruption, and God raised him up, and he's living today. And he offers eternal life to everybody who believes in him. Now look at the 25th verse. David speaking concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face. He recognized his him. For he is on my right hand that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice and my tongue was glad. Moreover also my flesh shall rest in hope. Now David is putting himself in the place of Jesus Christ. Because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thy holy one to see corruption. He's speaking of Christ, David is, when he wrote that psalm. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. He got it from the Father. Father sent him. That's the only way we could have been delivered, is that God come down and live above sin and become the sacrifice for our sin. And it's not anything we do that saves us of the blood of Christ. I know obedience is into that. And the death, burial, resurrection is shown in baptism. And the reason why a man will be baptized, or a woman, is because they reenact the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, which is essential to our being delivered from death. Thou shalt make me full of joy and with thy countenance. Men and brethren, let me speak freely of this patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us until this day. Was Christ's birth important? Yes, it was. He wouldn't have ever gotten this place if his birth hadn't been important. Look at the 30th verse. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne, he had that plan from the foundation of the world. Peter said he was crucified, he was slain as a lamb before the foundation of the world. Jesus created man, and when he created man, the angels sang, the morning stars sang, and he knew the devil existed and that there's a possibility that man would use his choice and would be a prey of the devil. But he knew if he did, his love and his sacrifice, if there was anything in man and could touch his heart, his dying in the flesh would touch it. And he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He had that plan from the very beginning. He seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Jesus. That's what David did. The resurrection of Jesus. Now, you've got to have a Christ born in the flesh before you can have him killed and raised up. That his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh to see corruption. When we come to God, we don't have to fear death. We don't have to fear corruption. Because the one who has overcome that can help us, and that's the reason we're baptized into him. This same Jesus, look at that next verse. How God raised up, Lord, we're all witnesses. And he's at the right hand of God exalted and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he hath shed forth this which you now see and hear.
I want you to turn to First Timothy, please. The first chap the third chapter. A passage that we read just before we communed with our Lord. The fifteenth verse, Paul is writing back to Timothy, and he said, If I tarry long that thou mayest know how thou ought to behave thyself in the house of God. Did you know that is the body of Christ? He writes to Ephesians, brethren, he said, The house of God, which is the church of the living God. He said, Here, the house of God, which is the church of the living God. And he said, The Ephesians, he said, There's one body. He knows you're called and one over you're calling. And he says, He's the head of the church, the body, which is the fullness of Christ. Which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. Now look at the 16th verse. Without controversy, great is the mystery of God. And you say, well, I don't know whether I understand this or not. Just understand it. God was made known in the flesh through Jesus Christ. That's the reason his birth, we ought to say, glory to God in the highest. Peace on earth toward men that have good wills and flexible wills and the wills that will come to God. It's there for them. He was justified in the spirit. He was set right, made right, protected and cared for and finished his course. He was seen of angels. He was preached unto the Gentiles. He was believed on in the world. He's received up into glory. And it was for your benefit and for mine. Now, at the close of the churches in Revelation, the last church that he addressed was a church that was indifferent was neither cold nor hot, just sort of lukewarm. And through the angel he pleads with them to buy them salve that would anoint their eyes, that they would clothe themselves with his presence and with his power. And at the, right at the close of that letter, he said, I stand. I stand at the door and I knock. I keep knocking. If any man will hear my voice and will open the door, the door of faith, the door that he, that he really came, Look at that passage. He was made known in the flesh. Do you believe that? He was completed. He was justified. He was confirmed by the Spirit. The Spirit came in his baptism. John saw it and said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. 
The voice of God spake and said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased at his baptism. And when he was transfigured before Moses and Elijah and Peter, James, and John, God spoke and said, This is my beloved Son, hear him, not Moses or not Elijah. They had their part in it, but hear him. And in his grave, the angels had seen him, and they said, Why do you seek the living among the dead? And the apostles, after difficult times, they believed it, and they went out preaching, and it spread over the entire universe, the then known world. And people believed on him, and the church was established, and the devil continued to work. But he's still in his, on his throne. And uh, as we close this with the reading of Luke 2, would you, would you look at the second chapter of Luke? So it was, the sixth verse, that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And Jesus brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon him, them, and the glory of the Lord shone around about them, and they were sore afraid. Not much in the Bible about Christmas, is it? I think a whole lot. But not our commercialized view of it. It's real. It's the centerpiece of Christianity. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy to be to all the people. It ain't a tragic thing that people are not enjoying the joy and the peace that he offers. If we would just say, I believe that he was God that came to the earth and that he's the son of God and that he died for my sins. I'm confessing that, that I'm a sinner and I believe that I'm going, to, I'm going to change my way. And I want to go through the likeness of his death and his burial and his resurrection by obeying his simple command to believe and to be baptized. Or, as Romans 6 says, he betrays the death, burial, and resurrection of man in baptism and to come forth as a new creature. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. On the day of Pentecost, Peter said, This, this is to you, Jews, and to all them that are far off, to all people. Cornelius' household was preached to. Peter said, he could have said, I, don't, I didn't understand that on the day of Pentecost, but now after this miracle that's 
been performed three times, I know that in God is no respect of person, but in every nation, he that fear God and works righteousness is accepted with him. Now, you don't have to bow down to me, you don't have to worship me, you don't have to kiss my toe. You just fear God. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And he said, who can forbid it? Why? Just accepted Christ. It's to all people. It's so simple. You have to have help. Look at Psalms, if you will, 22, 23, and 24 in closing. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why thou so far from helping me and from the word of my ruin? This is when he died on the cross. This whole chapter depicts his crucifixion. 23, he went through death. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But he took him on the other side and he was reared. It was raised up. And in 1 Timothy, the third chapter that we just read, the last few verses there, shows that he was, it's a mystery of Godness. He was raised up and now he's in glory. 24 is where he is now. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. He created the world. And the climax of it, he created man. Then he finally became man and died that he might regain them back. The devil got in the playhouse. In Hebrews, the second chapter, he tasted death for every man. He abolished death and brought life and immortality to light. Look at the second verse. For he hath founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. Who shall ascend unto the hill of the Lord, or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul into vanity, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive the blessing from the Lord and the righteousness from the God. How can you do that? Through Christ. He hadn't been born, we couldn't. He hadn't taken on flesh and became the perfect sacrifice we could have. This is the generation of them that seek him, that seek thy presence, O Jacob, O Selah. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and, and ye lift up ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Same one that Isaiah 6 said, Unto us a child is born. Government shall be upon his shoulders. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. There he is. Lift up the heads, O ye gates. Even lift them up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord of hosts. Jesus Christ. Aren't you thankful that he was born? And take dignity in the fact that we can certainly remember that he was born, but you know what he's asked us to do? Remember his death. And we celebrate it every first day of the week. 
because that's when he was raised to give life. And isn't it tragic that man will take his birth and remember it just once a year and have it all out proportion and leave him out of it. Question I want to ask you. Have you put on Christ? The average denominational preacher and the person who's preaching Christ, they said, if you just receive Jesus, you just right on your radio, you can put your hand on your radio, you can just pray. And you pray and just open your heart up and Jesus will come into your heart. He will to a Christian who's been baptized into him and has forsaken him and, and will repent and ask the Lord to come back and he'll always come back into their heart. But you have to put him on. The word of God is a seed. And the seed has to be planted into your heart and you believe that. And if you believe he's a person, a spiritual person, and he wants to come into your heart, you have to do it the way he said to do it. And if you haven't done that, it's so easy to believe, to confess it, to reenact his death, burial, and resurrection. And then from now on, you can walk in the light as he is in the light, and you have forgiveness. If you're subject to the call, you may not have another chance. I don't know that you're going to live any longer. I don't know what the world might come to an end today. Jesus established his church on the first day of the week. He just may come back on the first day of the week. I don't know. Nobody knows. Not even Jesus. The Bible said, only the Father. But the way for you to be prepared is to put him on and to walk in him and to share him with as many people as you can because it was to all the people that he came as we stand, say.